the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We have uh, in the Gospel today a parable of Jesus about the final judgment, um, about the separation that takes place at the end of all things, when uh, sin, evil, and wickedness will finally be put away forever. Um, These are very sobering uh, stories that we have in the New Testament about, about, about a final judgment and a final separation. But it's part of the good news. It's part of the good news that evil cannot persist forever. It's part of the good news that God will fulfill his promises to make all things new. And he's got a plan for that. And the plan for that is the, the new creation, the new kind of human being. who has a pure and holy heart, is on fire with love for his father and on fire with love for his brothers and sisters. This new kind of human being has appeared. Christ has brought it forth from the grave. He's won it at the price of the cross, and we come here week by week to receive it in the power of the Spirit, and this, this new life is breathed into us. And so first comes Christ, and then come the witnesses to him in his, in his body, and then come the saints, and then ultimately the whole creation will be made new. And St. Paul tells us this morning that the whole created water order is, is, is waiting for the appearing of the sons and daughters of God. The whole creation is groaning and travail, waiting for this uh, great perfection of God's plan of redemption, which is going to take place, where human beings will be made new, the human community will be made new, and even the good creation, as beautiful as it is, There'll be no more death. There'll be no more disease. Um, there'll be uh, the lion and the lamb will lay down together. The child will put his hand over the over the uh, of, over the hole of the of the snake. They won't hurt or kill in all my holy mountain. So uh, we long for this day, and the whole creation longs for this day. But it's a it's also a sobering uh, thing to contemplate. Who can abide? the day of his appearing. So what do we say about this this parable about a, a final separation? So I want to I want to go to the uh, main point of the homily today. Uh, this is what I want to say. Don't despair of God's mercy and don't presume upon his goodness. One, one thing that has meant a lot to me was I discovered by accident it was a service in the 1838 edition of the American Book of Common Prayer, Book of Common Prayer of the Episcopal Church. And in that 1838 edition, we don't have it anymore. I'm, I, I wish we did. It was a service, and the service was for a priest to use with someone who was condemned to death. And there were, it's a very good thing that you don't have to make that up on the spot, that you have some guidance to, in a situation like that. You were to visit with the person, to bring them communion, and you were to encourage them to make a, make a confession and to receive absolution. And there were instructions for what the priest was to say in inviting the person to make a confession, which was to make a, a, a full and complete confession, neither despairing of God's mercy nor presuming upon his goodness. 
We have every week the comfortable words, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish. If any man sin, we have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The mercy of God, the, the, the costly and superabundant uh, and seeking, searching, and pursuing mercy of God is moving towards us all the time. But it must be received, it must be grasped, we must search out in faith and grasp it. And when we take the mercy to us, then we have to live in such a way as uh, is appropriate to this great gift that uh, we were given. So we often ask, you know, why is there evil in the world? Uh, why, why even in the church? Why even in the church is there, does, does God allow there to be, to be evil, to be evil people right alongside with, uh, with virtuous people? This is a great mystery. In one church, you have uh, someone like Mother Teresa, and in the same church, you have someone who, is this, who falls as short as I do. And, there's, and they're side by side. The, the, the astonishingly holy and the only too frail and fragile, they're side by side and they sit next to each other. And from time to time, uh, the, the urge, which is understandable, to have a, a, a body which is not so mixed a body and to, and to separate. And Jesus says, he tells this parable. You may pull up, you may pull up some of the wheat with the, with the tares. The Lord forestalls the judgment so that there's time to receive the mercy. And whenever you get a church where they try to, attends, tries to be just a church of the holy, it always ends up being ridiculously self-righteous and cruel. And there are various versions of that. Right? There are various versions of that, and they come from all the different sides that you can imagine. But it all amounts to the same thing. This is who we are. We're a mixed body. The saints and the sinners sit next to each other, week by week. Now here's, here's another, this is one mystery, here's a deeper mystery. The saints and the sinners sit in the same chair. This is Martin Luther's great observation that we are, we're simultaneously sanctified and we're simultaneously sinners. I remember uh, Mother Teresa being interviewed by the BBC and uh, the rather secular interviewer was asking her about her weekly routine and then she said oh, well on tuesday i go to i go to confession and the and the the, the interviewer was shocked he said what what could you possibly have to confess and she said ask the sisters that i lived with so this is a mystery that people who are obviously holy and people who are obviously deeply compromised sit next to each other and this is also a mystery that, that we have been given this holy and righteous, this holy and righteous life, this, this living flame, which is Jesus Christ, that's been implanted in our hearts and our baptism. It's the deepest secret of who we are. And yet, at the same time, if we say we do not sin, we deceive ourselves because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God in his mercy 
God in his mercy takes his time. God in his mercy gives us his time. God in his mercy gives us the time to come here and to weed our gardens by his grace, by his help, by the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Some of us are living a lot longer than we used to. I don't know whether you've spotted this or not. But uh, uh, I've got a lot of friends who are very vigorous and who are in their 80s, and I've got a lot of friends who are very vigorous and who are in their 90s. And I've pondered, what is God doing by giving us all this extra time? He's giving us time to repent. He's giving us time to conform ourselves to Jesus Christ. He's giving us time uh, to weed our garden. So at the last day, we can stand before the eternal judge and give ourselves to him as he plucks the last weed. But God forbid we should say, hands off. God forbid we should not submit ourselves to his cleansing and purifying love. God forbid that we should not cling to him with the gift of grace in all the ordinary means that we have, including coming here week by week. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish. And we have a merciful and loving God who is eager to forgive and heal and make new. We should neither despair of his mercy or presume upon his goodness. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.